right, welcome, welcome. Dan Lukowitz here, Dan on top. We've got a very special guest, a local here in Detroit, Michigan, Pete McGrath, Associate Director of Savills in Detroit. How are you, Pete? I'm doing well, doing well. Doing awesome. as well as I can for 2020 anyway. That's, yeah, well, that's I say. there's been a lot that's gone on. <laughs> I look at it as a, an incredible opportunity. I know you're somebody that, that has been pumping out content, really great content, boots on the ground, live content that, that I'm appreciative of. And, you know, knowing that we have a lot of, of people that are in our network together, I've seen just a lot of benefit and a lot of value that you're providing. And that's something that speaks to me. So, again, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here on Dan on Top. Really Happy appreciate to be here. It. This is my yeah. first podcast ever uh, where I'm a host, so uh, we'll see how this goes. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. So I just wanted to jump right in. This is a question I didn't ask you before in our prep, yeah. but I like to ask my guests. It kind of helps people to you know get a feel for who you are before we dive right in. So who is Pete McGrath? Let's uh, see. Uh, married with a beautiful wife, Sam. Got a baby boy, James. And uh, when I, in my free time, I do real estate. So awesome. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Pretty simple. So, you know, there's been a lot of movement, both locally and nationally, specifically in the industrial market. And being that you're an expert in leasing, tell us a little bit about what you've seen in the last few years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, when I got started in 2013, I got started crunching the numbers and uh, being an analyst. And I, I would send in the numbers from the Detroit market to our national office, and, and someone from California would inevitably call and say, you know, Pete, you got to correct these numbers. The num this can't be right. It's way too low of a price for this large of a deal. And I would have to say, no, that building really did trade for $9 a square foot or whatever it was. And now, I mean, you couldn't give buildings away for taxes once upon a time. Yeah. And, the, you know, nationally, we've seen the trend of e-commerce grow and grow. We've seen retailers change the way they do business. You know, you see, you have a company like Warby Parker where they they started online and then moved to retail, but their retail footprint's tiny. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, locally, uh, here in Michigan, especially here in Detroit, automotive is what pays the bills, and that industry has recovered pretty nicely from 2008, 2009. And that's what's filling that space up. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with you. I think that the e-commerce boom is huge. Well, I call it the Industrial Revolution 2.0, where we have products are moving off of retail shelves and into warehouses, right? And I think we'll see more repurposing of, uh, of, re of re retail property into, you know, industrial, maybe last mile fulfillment, uh, cold storage, um, or just fulfillment centers in general. So, you know, it, it's a trend that I'm noticing across the country. Is that something, you know, that, that you're seeing here locally or in your space? Oh, absolutely. And Detroit is not really a big distribution hub uh, compared to, say, a Chicago or maybe a Dallas, uh, we are still a manufacturing hub, but that said, it just, Amazon still needs to be here uh, to service this market. And there is a possibility too, that uh, with the new Gordy Howe bridge, we become more of a distribution hub. And that's something I would like to see happen. Yeah. Uh, anytime all your eggs are in one basket, it's not necessarily a good thing, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that you know, Detroit is going to be a major hub for automotive, and uh, we have a growing, a small but growing hub for defense contractors as well. There's a lot of engineering talent, a lot of know-how in manufacturing, and I think we just need to do a better job of uh, growing the assets that we have, both inventory-wise and just with our the people we have here. That sure. Know -how. Sure. So tell our viewers a little bit more about that Gordy Howe project. Well, it's, so if, if you're not familiar with Detroit, there's basically 
two ways to get across the border to Canada. One of them's the tunnel, the other one's the Ambassador Bridge. The only one that trucks can go over is the Ambassador Bridge. And uh, in this thought, both the governments of Canada and the United States, they want a second crossing. Uh, yeah. The world we live in, uh, we, we learned after 9-11, we learned after, since March, that the unthinkable can indeed happen. And you know, having two bridges will be better than one, that's for sure. I, I, it's a massive infrastructure project, and I think it's a very important infrastructure project for this region. Just to get things, speed's the name of the game, right? Oh, you yeah, You want to press a button on your phone, you want it on your porch. Absolutely. I think really on that topic, I think that one of the greatest beneficiaries of the move to electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles is not even necessarily the individual consumer as an automotive, uh, an automotive consumer, but it's really the consumer as, as an e-commerce consumer. Because as freight moves from you know, traditional diesel-powered semis that have a, a, a traditional driver in them to an autonomous semi that uh, is powered by electric you know, battery cells, I think that you're going to see freight becoming more, even more expeditious, which is fascinating because today, you know, if there's a semi driver driving down the highway, they have to take a break every mm -hmm. certain number of hours. But once we have these vehicles just literally driving and flying V formations, you know, <laughs> nonstop, I think it's just going to be really fascinating. The whole supply chain for industrial product and for, for, for any retail product that's in an industrial, you know, fulfillment center is changing so rapidly. Uh, it's it's going to look very different in 10 years that's for sure. We, I go back and forth on how quick the autonomous revolution in cars is going to happen because the reality is your mind, the human mind, makes a lot of decisions very quickly that a computer may or may not be able to make at this point in time. But uh, you, you can't help but notice that things are changing and things will look a lot different. I mean, could you imagine explaining to 12-year-old Dan that you would have limitless content on your TV instead yeah. of the 30 channels, right? right? I mean, right. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, it's definitely fascinating. So you mentioned Detroit and the industrial boom in Detroit. Mm -hmm. What is necessary to kind of keep that going, keep that momentum headed forward in a positive direction? Yeah, a couple things. I mean, automotive needs to stay strong. Uh, these companies need to keep their balance sheets clean. Uh, the big thing that we learned in 2008, 2009, GM, to a lesser extent, Ford and Chrysler, were, were basically healthcare companies that happen, happen to make cars. So I think we need to build on the, the momentum we have in automotive, uh, but we have to make sure that we're not only diversifying our economy, like I said before, but also building new inventory that these companies can lease. Because right now, as a real estate broker, it, it is tough to find a building. That's incredible and, and some to me. People, it's absolutely incredible because I remember the days five, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd have skyscrapers. Yeah. Totally empty. Yeah, office or industrial even seven years ago, it, it was a little too easy to find a building. Yeah. But industrial, even the last four years, tightened up very quickly. Not only like the big Amazon warehouses that people might be familiar with on a national level. That's what people are talking about when they say industrial is the darling of the investor class or big class A warehouses. Yeah. But say you go into an industrial park that was built in the 70s, lots of 80,000, 40,000, even 20,000 square foot buildings. A couple of docks, a couple of drive-in doors. That's a tough building to find, too. And it's, uh, it's a pretty dramatic shift from what we were used to when, from when I started. So what brought office users back to the city? Oh, man. Uh, how much time do we have? But <laughs> it's uh, a variety of things happened. And I'm going to speak in Detroit terms. But, it, you know, first and foremost, this was a 
nationally and globally, this was a trend that was happening everywhere. I think people got a little tired of just driving to parking lots, uh, going into the office and having that be it. If you've seen the movie Office Space, we're yeah. all familiar. Uh, but then in Detroit, I mean, just a lot of things came together. It, uh, there were a number of organizations that hung tough and never left, and they, they deserve the credit more than anybody else. But then, of course, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Detroit's rich, rich uncle, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert, sure. I mean, what Quicken Loans and their family of companies have been able to do, bringing 13,000 people downtown. And not only that, just a, a much younger demographic. Sure. This is a, a demographic that actually wants to live in the city. They, they want to be there. Uh, they they want to go out for drinks after work. Uh, it, it was just a, a very different crowd that came down uh, when, when he started coming down there and bringing his people down there. And sure enough, he has had coattails. I mean, we've seen Microsoft, Fifth Third Bank, uh, and, it, and even to a much smaller extent, our firm, we signed a lease downtown Detroit, and we made that commitment to the city. We wanted to be a part of the action, and you know, we wanted to be you know across the street from the ballpark. We thought it'd be a lot of fun having clients going to ball games, and uh, sure enough, uh, not sure if you heard in March a global pandemic hit, so yeah. we couldn't do any of that. But in due time, we will, and I, I'm excited to play our small part in Detroit's revitalization. Yeah, that's really incredible. And you know, I, I kind of have seen things from a different perspective. I'm a, I'm a national broker. Mm -hmm. We do net, net lease all across the country. Uh, but background wise, you know, I worked in the city. I worked for Amazon previously. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've done, yeah, I have, uh, you know, a pretty extensive background in residential house flipping, single multifamily mm -hmm. in the city of Detroit, in and around Detroit. So I know I get excited when I talk to people about Detroit, telling mm -hmm. them about the advantages um, in single and multifamily residential real estate investment. But from your perspective, from you know the, the leasing side of things and the commercial real estate side of things, tell people that are watching maybe that aren't so familiar with the city of Detroit what they need to know about the city. Uh, it's, it's a great place to be. I mean, it, you have these beautiful buildings that never got torn down. Uh, we have a beautiful stock of buildings that dates back to the 20s. And just you walk into these lobbies, you, you could never build these things. No, now. they're incredible. I mean, it's it's just incredible taking clients from out of town into these buildings and just seeing their jaw hit the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah. From there, just the quality of life of living here, like the cost of living versus the quality of life. You still have the four, four pro sports teams. You have great colleges in the area, but it really does not take a lot to own a home and live a comfortable life around here, which I think is changing from – People are kind of evaluating that those coastal costs of living a little more seriously oh, yeah. now. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, put, put Detroit on the list. Uh, look, it's we've had our challenges in the past. We're not shying away from those. But I, I think this is a, a great market, and I think it's only going to continue to get better. And we, in fact, ranked, Savills did, rank Detroit as a growing tech hub. That's awesome. So it's, it's exciting. It's, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of other exciting things, too, I think, that – What's fascinating is you would think when you talk about tech or you talk about autonomous vehicles, you would think that, that, that a lot of that would be out on the West Coast, mm -hmm. right? But if you notice, I mean, uh, it was just a couple months ago the announcement was made that from the um, former train station mm -hmm. on Michigan Ave all the way to past Dearborn to Ann Arbor, they're going to have the first autonomous highway in the entire country. It's yeah. going to be located here in Detroit. So a lot of technological and automotive firsts obviously happen here in, in Michigan and specifically in Detroit. I think that it's just going to further fuel the, the massive growth that both you and I have seen in, in our hometown. Well, if you think about the autonomous thing, Detroit makes all the parts for the cars right now, uh, from the seating, the sunroof modules, like all the stuff, the door handles, yeah. the engines, everything. 
the autonomous part is just replacing the driver. That's us. <laughs> so it's just one more part that has to work in the car, but it has to work and it has to work every time. Yeah. And, you know, where do you do that? Do you do that in California and then figure out how it te- hooks into the car? Or do you do it here where you have the engineering talent, you have the people that know how to make these things, you can prototype, you can test, uh, you can handle the tool and die situation, all of that stuff's locally. And plus, you know, hey, bad weather, potholes. There you what, go. What better testing ground could you there find? There you go. That's right. That's right. We won't talk too much about that. No. <laughs> no, well, potholes hey, don't exist here. Exactly. Come to Michigan. Exactly. It's great. <laughs> exactly. Hey, again, I really appreciate having you on here. It's been been really fun to, to network with you well, and connect with you me. on LinkedIn. And um, obviously, even better to do it here in the Absolutely. studio. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, email, LinkedIn. Uh, email is pcmcgrath at savils.us. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And... Um, yeah, I'm a pretty easy person to find. So email is probably the best way to email. I check first, but from there, you know, I'm a real estate broker. If someone reaches out, I call back. So there that's you all go. To it. That's right. That's the way. That's the way of the uh, of the life that we live, which yeah. is which is also great opportunity for us. So we've got about four and a half minutes left. Again, really appreciate you you joining us. I want to turn the tables a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. What questions do you have for me? Well, obviously. You know, I, I do a lot of industrial stuff, and the benefit of doing industrial real estate right now is no one's figured out how to do industrial work from home, right? Retail, very different animal. It, yeah. is it is, what do you see? You obviously see there's opportunities. Someone's going to figure this out and come up on top. Uh, and obviously some retailers, we've seen that wave of bankruptcies too. Oh, yeah. So what do you see happening? Is it... Her, is retail as we know it completely going to be gone in five years? Because all the, the way I see it is office and retail, all the assumptions we had as an industry, the unwritten rules, the written rules are, are out the window. Yeah, yeah, to a certain so, extent. But I would say in response to your question is that as long as there are guys like you and I that have mm-hmm. needs, right, retail will always exist. It's not going away. It's not right, going to disappear, right? right? We're, we're a consumeristic culture. The way that we conduct our lives revolves quite a bit around, you know, buying, purchasing, using, consuming goods. So it's not going away. What I will say is that, you know, typically what always wins is is the company or the business that provides the best service at mm-hmm. the lowest cost, right? right? So what we're noticing is that what 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 we deem the the omni-channel channel of fulfillment, the, the instead of just a single channel where a customer goes into a store and buys something, right? Which is, that's the channel that we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't, it was either that, or I remember, you know, you might have a few companies that had a catalog, right? Right, right. Today, and then you had to pay shipping, you exactly, had to pay, right. and it's you wouldn't do it. And it's you couldn't like get seven it. bucks for this to ship. Exactly, yeah. right. So today, the retailers who are figuring it out are the ones that figured it out fastest. And that's the, the idea that whatever channel is best for the consumer, whatever channel is the most convenient and the cheapest, is going to be the channel that succeeds. So you look at these major retailers that are now having curbside pickup. They're having, you know, e-commerce. They're they're having interplay with Amazon. They're still allowing you to buy in store. So the experience is a more well-rounded experience and an experience that is uh, convenient for the consumer. So I, my answer to your question is, is it's going to change. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at things from my my perspective, our, of my industry. You know, you had all this capital. Net lease is a huge industry, billions mm-hmm. and billions of dollars going in and out of it all the time. So what really happened was was all that capital kind of that band really, really got a much narrower into what we deem the essential retailers. So your industrial still, but also your essential retailers, your tire stores, you know, maybe some medical office, right. your dollar stores, 
fast food with the drive-through, right? Anything that's right. open that people are using. So I think that we're seeing a huge shift into you know what people want to do when they're locked up. We're also seeing you know a huge shift into what's best for the consumer and what's the cheapest way to do that. So I really okay. think that's the direction that things are headed. Yeah, and you're you're going to see a much closer integration of industrial and retail in the future. That's already started to happen, but it's going to whatever was going to happen. A lot of the trends we're seeing, I think, are just a pass. Someone's pressing fast forward. Yeah, I'm dating myself with the fast forward button here, but uh, someone's clearly pressing fast forward on working from home and you know, kind of online retail. It's just. We all knew these things were happening, but the last seven, eight months have just gotten They've really sped things up much further. For so. sure. And we've seen that also with like quick service restaurant. I mean, pretty much every major quick service restaurant retailer in 2021 is coming out with a smaller footprint. For example, Taco Bell is going from approximately 24, 2,500 square feet to 1,350. They're going to have double drive throughs They're going to have, you know, pickup lanes. KFC just came out with their new prototype. They'll have... Uh, kiosks where the Uber Eats or the Grubhub drivers can pull right in. There's going to be more outdoor space, outdoor seating. I think these are all things that were, as you said, in motion, but mm-hmm. they've really been sped up. It's like they're being played at three or four X speed, which is really fascinating. I think it's an incredible time to be alive, an incredible time to be a broker, yeah. to be an investor, and, and to be someone who's, who's taking advantage of the opportunity. So I challenge everybody who's watching to really sit back, watch, see where you can step it up, see where you can capitalize on the incredible opportunity that's right in front of us today and that will continue to be as we close out 2020 and go into 2021. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. See everybody soon.